Welcome to season two of our podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Natalie. Come along with us every week as we laugh, learn, and listen to the stories that make up a mom's life. Thanks so much for joining us. Last week, we discussed uh, when your children come out to you. Our good friend Liz was on the show. She had both of her children come out to her as gay at different times. She is one of the most incredibly supportive, accepting mothers we've ever had on the show. And it was just a really great conversation. And so we're bringing in our licensed independent social worker, Mike of Mike's Minute today. We're just going to ask him some questions, some follow-up, right, Natalie? Yeah, some follow-up, some, something to make us, you know, kind of understand a little bit better, um, to be a better ally. I think that's what we all want in life. And so, Mike, thanks for joining us. First question that I have is, you know, we all are striving to be better allies. So what um, advice or suggestions would you have um, for us to do that? What should we and what can we do better? At, at a very micro level, uh, and this would be as, as parents, I think, uh, would be to model for your children when you, you know, let's say a same-sex couple, uh, that you speak to that to your children, certainly if they're you know, age-appropriate conversations for a five-year-old is going to be different than a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old. But even for a five-year-old to say, you know, sometimes uh, children have two dads or two moms or two parents, uh, however, you know, you're going to gender them or whatever pronouns you use. But I think that's important sometimes instead of always having this heteronormative conversation that the only couples that exist are man and woman. You know, I, th I think you see ample opportunities at grocery stores, at malls, uh, out and about, at the zoo, uh, where, you know, your child may say, why are those two people holding hands? You know, I just thought mommies and daddies hold hands. And it's like, that's an opportunity not to have a long, protracted conversation, but just a short and sweet to the point, again, with a younger person to say, well, a, a lot of people are different. People love other people. Sometimes it's uh, two girls, sometimes it's two boys, sometimes it's a boy and a girl. It's all sorts of different mixes of people that we live with. Uh, from an earlier podcast that we did with our friend Marsha on talking about race, that was something that has stood out to me. You know, we look different, we act different, we have different hair colors, different skin care colors, and then we're going to walk around acting like we're colorblind. And she mentioned that we are not a colorblind society. And I think what you just said, Mike, is so important. Like people are different. Talk about it. I love that learning opportunity. What I want to uh, kind of piggyback on that is um, let's say that you have children that are, are thinking of, you know, maybe coming out to you or, you know, maybe someone's listening to this right now saying, okay, this, I want to hear this information. I want to come out to my parents. What advice do you have for both parties? As Natalie mentioned, you know, creating a nice environment and, and helping, you know, bring your kids up in this accepting area and world. But is there, is there a good time? Is there a good way to approach this topic? Do we even need to make it such a big deal? Can it be something, you know, on the way to school or do we have to call it out and make it this big event? Yeah, I, you know, that's a very good question. I, I think, Katie, I, I would have a bias though to say in talking about this, at least 
in 2021 still, I would probably discourage someone to uh, drop that piece of information uh, on the ride to school and get out of the car and shut the door and say, see you later, mom, see you later, dad. Uh, and then, you know, have people kind of sit with that thought for the next uh, eight hours. I would urge people to, as I have in some other podcasts, when you want to have an important conversation, try to pick a time where there aren't a lot of competing things going on, be it uh, dinner, a movie, uh, some commitment that's going to come up in five or 10 minutes where there's going to be competing interests that are going to distract and take away from the importance of the conversation. As you heard me say before, I'm a big believer in people need to do better at listening and taking time to understand. And this would be a pretty important conversation that I would want to understand on the parent side of things to say, you have my full attention. There will be no disturbance. Your siblings won't be coming into the room if you don't want them at this time because you are, you are on center stage and I'm going to listen to you intently and completely. On the other side is uh, the child, speaking to the parent, would say the same thing. Uh, pick a time where you can say, mom, dad, mom and dad together, I wanna have your undivided attention uh, because I just want to talk with you about some things. And it doesn't have to be set aside five hours. It's just, I want to set aside 15, 20, 30 minutes. I think it's important in a conversation like this that the conversation is started, understanding that there's going to be many other conversations that follow it, but this doesn't have to be a marathon conversation. I think uh, the information can be shared. Uh, it can be talked about a little bit, but I think everybody needs to digest it on both sides. Like, you know, mom and dad hearing this perhaps for the first time, not suspecting it or maybe suspecting it. Um, and certainly children saying, I, you know, wasn't knowing what your reaction is going to be. So I need to digest some things a little bit, too. Let's get back together and talk part B, C, D. And you know, obviously we're going to talk about it the rest of our life because you're going to continue to be my mom and dad and you're going to continue to be my child. The one thing that um, Liz mentioned in last week's episode uh, is, you know, after sh she heard uh, or after her son came out to her and her daughter, you know, she had some sort of like, she said that you have to kind of grieve the unexpectedness of it. Not that she didn't accept them or love them, but it was something that she had to work through. And she said, you know, other moms have got to do that too. And parents. So can you kind of speak uh, on that end of things? So you get this information, you know, what advice do you have for, for parents in, in kind of processing that? Well, I think Liz, uh, you know, managed that quite nicely. And I think articulated that very well that, uh, which is not uncommon for any of us as parents is, you know, we sometimes subtly and almost unconsciously have a script in mind for our children of what we hope, want, desire them to be, what we see their lives being. Not that we're taking all sorts of weird measures to direct it, but there isn't a perfect response we can have as parents to a lot of things our children may share with us. Uh, and certainly hearing that your child is coming out to you is is an experience that isn't certainly horrible by any means it's just that i think many parents have scripts in their mind as we all do that i had foreseen my child maybe through my own biases and my own life experiences of of growing up like exactly like me that they would go to college get a career meet some wonderful person i would have grandkids and uh, they would have a life that would be even better than mine, certainly one that is 
problem-free, more problem-free. And then that script can be changed. It's kind of like watching a movie where it's like all of a sudden, all what I had anticipated to be and the storyline just took a bit of a 45 or 90 degree turn uh, is, is unsettling. And it takes some time, I think, to process that. And there's nothing wrong with taking time to process that. And I think Liz's kids would probably say the same that, yeah, I, I get it, mom. I've been thinking about this for a number of years and I don't expect you to figure it out in a matter of uh, 10, 15 minutes and be like, okay, good. Everything's fine. So, you know, we shed a lot of light on Liz's story and it's really, I guess I should more so say it's not just her story, it's her children's story. And again, it was this beautiful story, but let's say someone's listening to this right now and they did not have the same reaction as Liz or, you know, maybe worse off, um, somebody is listening to this who has come out to their parents and their parents did not at all have the same reaction as Liz you know, what do you do? You know, you, you have these parents that you love and, you know, hopefully trust and you've, you've told them, you know, who you are and who you're going to be. And they don't respond the way that Liz did. And, you know, it's, there's a fight or, you know, there's something, never speak to you again, or, you know, how do you get that support? Like what, you know, we think we're making all these strides in 2021 and, you know, we have an entire pride month, but like, what do you do if you feel hopeless and like, there's no repairing the relationship. Well, my hope would be, Katie, that uh, there's always that hope of some reparative work that could be accomplished, perhaps with, you know, seeking out some qualified mental health person to assist in the, the ongoing conversation. Kind of get back to what I said just a little bit ago. People all arrive at some understanding and, quote, getting it, end quote, you know, over time. And some people, like Liz, uh, came to this understanding, acceptance, and, you know, we're, we're still going to move forward because I love you and everything is going to be fine. Versus other parents where it takes months, years, sometimes a lot of years uh, for a relationship to pick back up. But I would suggest in those circumstances to seek out some mental health persons, not because this is a mental health issue, because it can affect your mental health. And I want to make that really clear that um, you know, being gay has been pathologized for a lot of years. And so when I say this, I'm not saying, oh, you always need to talk to a counselor. You don't. But in those circumstances where you're getting stuck with family, they can serve as a very helpful mediator to, to I think, improve some understanding. Doesn't mean acceptance or agreement, but at least initially some understanding. My question to you is uh, the understanding from society too. I think as a parent, you know, if, if I was in that situation and maybe other parents who've actually been in that situation, you, you kind of get a little scared too, because you want your child, you want to have an easy path for your child. And, you know, the, not everybody's is accepting uh, of that lifestyle, unfortunately. And, you know, you, so you, wh what would you say, uh, you know, in that regard of making, you, you know, you want to protect your kids from, from any kind of hatred out there? Well, yes. And, you know, I think that is, uh, that is the hope of all of us as parents, but it's, it's one where uh, it doesn't work so well to protect them though, from the slings and arrows of society at large. I mean, certainly there will be people that will be accepting and will be okay and, you know, I, I affirm this and I lift you up, but there's going to be people that will will certainly not be that and will be attacking and, 
you know, throw religion, throw any other sorts of biases at your children. And I think as a parent, uh, probably the, the more helpful thing to do, not because it's easy as the parent, but uh, is to, to own with your child that my child is gay. I don't tiptoe around that in conversations with my friends now. I, I claim it. I own it. I, I certainly speak to it. Uh, so when they talk about their kids that they're doing this, I might talk about my, my child and their partner are doing this uh, because I want to share what's happening in my child's life. And I think that is an important thing to be supportive to your children so that you, in fact, are acknowledging them and who they are and who they love. I love that. I really love that. Um, you know, again, this is such a tough thing for some families and then some families like Liz's family, it just, it just works out. Uh, Mike, what do you think is, makes it so hard for some families to be in this spot? Like what makes people so resistant to change and to something different, you know, than the way that they grew up or the ideals that they have for their kids and, and how do we change that? Well, I, I think, you know, people grow up that way, Katie, just because, you know, their their life experiences, their whole story, their narrative has been one that is follows a very defined script. I used the word heteronormative before, where it's like everything is seen through the prism of husband and wife, boy and girl. This is how things work. A deviation from that gets into religious beliefs. Uh, it gets into social constructs of, about relationships, marriage, love. And some people have some pretty strong opinions about that. I used a, a, an example before in uh, talking with you, Natalie, of some years ago, and I, you both might not remember this, but it at the time was kind of a big thing to talk about, let's start changing uh, the way we refer to uh, gendering police officers firefighters, mail carries. It's like, why do I have to call them that? They are a mailman. They are a fireman. They are a policeman. And like, no, they're not. They're both genders. And people really struggled and fought and kicked about that. But now I think most people are like, oh, it's a firefighter. It's a police officer. And I think we're moving more in that direction where, where issues of, of gender and of sexual orientation are, are getting easier to talk about. But Katie, getting back to your point, I think so many of us have our own biases, our own things that, you know, we might be real open about A, B, or C, but when it comes to D, when it comes to this, it's like, uh-uh, this is not okay. There's no okayness in this. And people dig their heels in, and I think sometimes they don't always have um, maybe the most well-reasoned and well-thought-through. It's just like, it's wrong. And there's no amount of you talking to me that's going to make it right. That's a difficult conversation to have with someone where it's like, we can't even start somewhere because the conversation can't even begin. And that's where there's some real difficulties with parents and children and, and some real hurt and, and separation that, that really does take some time to get through and hopefully over. Yes, for sure. Uh, my question, it would be about the, the word coming out and, and how we have to make this like a big event. That's what it seems like, you know, and maybe that's just the way we are in society. But, you know, when you're, when you're straight, you don't have to come out. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? It, 
is it an outdated notion or is it still, does it still have a place? Is it still important? Well, and that's a very good question, Natalie. And I would defer to some people in the LGBTQ community to speak to that. I'm not that versed on, on language that, that more persons would endorse, but it does strike me as, as maybe being somewhat antiquated. Um, I, I give the parallel in the, you know, the American Psychiatric Association, um, you know, some years ago, not that many years ago, you know, in, into the 80s, finally determined that they weren't going to make being gay a mental disorder. I mean, so it gives you some idea of where our thinking was in mental health that, uh, you know, up and in, up into the 70s and 80s, it was still considered that until now it's not, which also kind of gets to, I, I just want to put a plug in here, that if parents are you're thinking about taking your children to conversion therapy, please don't do that. There is no particular scientific evidence that supports that type of therapy of changing a person's sexual orientation. In fact, there's more evidence to suggest that it's caused greater harm to people that are in that type of therapy. There's many other good therapies out there, but conversion therapy to change or believe you can change that hasn't produced good results. Yeah, I, I, that's just so sad. So, Mike, what about religion in this? You know, let's say that you practice a religion or your parents very much practice a certain religion that, that kind of shuns this. I mean, how do you, you know, your church doesn't accept you now, the place that you've called home, and, and your parents, maybe you can't even come out to them and tell them because the religion, you know, prohibits such, such things. What do you do then? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, especially if, if that has been a, a, an important center of your life. And for many people, I understand, and certainly it is. Uh, but that is a time I think one really has to reconsider uh, if I am not going to be accepted by my church family. I still believe I'm accepted by, let's just use Christianity, by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I might need to go to a different church body and a different church home where I believe that uh, I might be better accepted. Um, I, my mother, just to use a very personal anecdote, I mean, she certainly um, grew up at a very different time. She, you know, was born in the, the early 20s. So you could probably guess that growing up, you know, the attitudes about gays, homosexuality, they would call it at the time, were, were not the most embracing. But I recall my mother specifically saying, speaking from a religious point, I don't know what the big deal is about uh, homosexuality. God doesn't make any mistakes. So if people are homosexuals, I guess they're homosexuals. <laughs> and if they're straight, I guess they're straight. And I thought, boy, mom, I think you distilled down some things, at least in my way of thinking, pretty nicely. Wow. Yeah. Well That's said. Profound. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that more people could adopt that way of thinking. If a parent who's listening right now suspects that their child um, may be, may be um, homosexual, what would you suggest to them? Yeah, you know, let them come um, around on their own time and say it. Uh, like, what's your suggestion? Well, I, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's always a tricky question, Natalie. And I, I would be inclined to allow the child to come to that on their own time and terms. Uh, I would be more inclined to fall on that side than to say, you know, I've noticed this, I've wondered this, I've observed this, are you gay? You know, you think you might be gay? I mean, I think that could probably work with some children, but 
by and large, I, I would say that child is probably, like I said earlier, been rehearsing, thinking about this, when is going to be the time. I'm still figuring some things out so that I would allow them to come to me. But very importantly, hopefully the parent then, much like Liz was being receptive and listening, you know, attentively and caringly and lovingly. And then I think a lot of things just work out much better when, when you can take an approach like Liz did. Mm-hmm. Katie, you mentioned, I don't know if it was Glennon Doyle or um, something that you've read about, you know, yeah. having their kid, if they are ever wanting to come out and, you know, she said, don't ever like make it a big deal, you know, don't like come out, just bring them home, whoever you want to love. And, you know, and not make it a thing. Is that, so that's, I guess, if that's what we should do too, as a, as parents is just make it accepting from the get-go early on. Like, it doesn't matter who you love, just bring them home and doesn't matter. Yeah. I think her, her point that I I had read somewhere was, you know, kind of like a, Hey, no matter who you love, no matter who you are, I love you. And, you know, when you sometimes, you're going to go out on a date and you bring home a girl or you bring home a guy or whatever. And it's just, it's not like a big deal, but you know, why does it have to be if you're bringing home a same sex person? I mean, why does it have to be like this big event? That was, you know, I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing what she said, but um, sure. yeah, I think I, I'm with you. Like this is, it's just a person. <laughs> right. Just, why does it matter? I love bring, that. Bring whoever you want home. I mean, if you, if you can have that loving and accepting home um, and Liz, you know, alluded a little bit to listen to different music and, and support, you know, uh, gay artists and, and all of that to kind of show your kids that you are inclusive that's kind of what we wanted to do today as well. Talking to Mike, just getting, just getting more perspective on it. You know, obviously June is gay pride month, but it, it doesn't have to be just 30 days in June that you're inclusive. It, it should be always. And especially, you know, if you have someone in your family, it doesn't have to be your child. It could be you. It could be mom is coming out as gay or, you know, your best friend or your aunt or whomever. Um, just supporting and, and there are resources. Um, and you know, again, it's, it's nice to talk to Mike because Mike, you, you do, you have so much experience, um, you know, being at the collegiate level with kids who are, you know, coming into who they are. Absolutely. You know, I think Katie and Natalie, I would say this too, that you just sparked a thought, Katie. And you know, when this is a question, I think you asked earlier, Natalie, about, you know, what do you do just to, you know, create a, an environment where it might be easier for that child to come out. And I think like you just said, when you're watching, um, uh, you know, some artists performing and let's say they're openly out, uh, that it's not like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. You know, listen about all the gay blah, 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 or to make digs or jabs at the, the LGBT community is certainly not going to help your child, uh, feel like, wow, well, how is this going to go when I come out to my mom and dad? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's checking our own biases, our own issues, you know, you know, certainly a, about sexual orientation, as many people are checking some of their biases right now about matters of race. Um, you know, it, it, I think, is a, always a healthy exercise to say, why am I saying, why am I thinking these things? You know, is this coming from some sort of not so good place in me? Do I need to challenge some of my own beliefs a little bit? And why do I have them? Uh, so that, you know, I can hopefully continue to be 
become a better and better person and better parent. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we're here. And that's why we do this podcast, right? It's just to shine a light on, on different topics and to get us to thinking about different, uh, different ways of thinking, which is what makes the world go round. It does. Mike, thank you for your insight as always. Well, thanks again for having me. All right. Well, another episode next week of A Mom's Life. Stay tuned on Wednesday. Yep. Every Wednesday. Hopefully you can share this with someone in your life that needs this, or maybe this message was just for you today. Either way, thanks for listening.